1: Welcome everybody to the roto Fantasy Baseball Podcast slash live stream. Jeff Erickson here with my good buddy Joe Sheehan from the Joe Sheehan Newsletter. Uh, hopefully you can join us and you're enjoying baseball on this Wednesday night. If you're a Mets fan and you're you're probably not enjoying this night, uh, which is just awful, awful news. Uh just left with a shoulder injury, soreness in his shoulder, nebulous term. We'll see what it means later on. My... Uh, As I said, my guest here is Joe Sheehan. We are sponsored by WinBet. Uh, If you are allowed to bet in your state, uh, the great state of New Jersey, for instance, or New York, you can bet online at winbet.com. W-Y-N-N, for those of you who are not already familiar with the company, but uh, we thank them for their sponsorship. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing?
2: Psyched to be here, Jeff. I know I come on the yeah. podcast a few times a year, but I've never actually done it like this on the video. So, as you yeah. can see, I'm all fancy behind me here. So, uh, happy to be here. You mentioned Jersey. I'm actually in Jersey, uh, inspired by the gaming golf boys, Jenstad, yeah, Mueller, and Erickson. Cross the river to see what I can see uh, this weekend down at Tory Pines.
1: That's fantastic. Uh, we'll get your uh, your golf bets at the end of the podcast. Remind me on that there, so then I can build my DraftKings lineups afterwards. And get in the
2: opposite good. of what I, you know.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I'll listen to you. I mean, you're Joe's just Joe's in the long standing RotoWire Fantasy Golf League. It's it's RotoWire and friends, really. Uh, And we've been doing this for 22 years, and you're killing me this year. You got Speeth, so you're destroying. You're doing well. Um, I have DJ, and I am not doing well as a relate. But okay, enough golf talk for now. Let's talk baseball. Let's talk the news of the day. Jacob DeGrom struck out eight of the first nine players he batters he faced, three perfect innings. The SNY broadcast was talking, oh, he doesn't look he doesn't seem happy, he doesn't look right, he's taking a longer period of time, he looks uncomfortable. Sure enough, straight to the 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 dugout or the clubhouse after ending the third inning. They take him out, and now it's uh and, and he's out of the game. Sean Reed Foley's in. He's been dealing with soreness earlier, had a DL IL trip earlier. I said DLIL, but you know, you guys know. Um, this is this is scary stuff.
2: You know, I don't know whether to be relieved that one, it's not the elbow, and two, it's something different from the oblique, or really worried because it's the shoulder. The shoulder is something, you know, as good as we've got at repairing elbows, a shoulder can be a lot more uh, have a lot more long-term ramifications. Um, I remember writing about Degrom in the off-season, and I had him, I think I had him 14th on my top 100, which got a lot of pushback. And I said, you know, yeah. if you look at him in in 19 and 18, 19 and 20. There was always something, some kind of nagging injury that I thought would chip away at the workload. Um, it feels like, you know, he hasn't blown out his elbow like so many guys have, but it's always been something. And it maybe just feels like the forces that he puts on that body are always taking out something. Um, obviously, the performance is still there. He literally was on his way to, you know, the 24 strikeout perfect game tonight before he left. So. Um, I think we'll all be holding our breaths, not just from a fantasy standpoint. Obviously, we're focused on that, but this is one of the great runs in pitching history. And if it ends with him giving up six runs in two and two thirds, that's one thing. But for it mm-hmm. to possibly end like this is really, really bad.
1: Yeah, uh, it is, and it's in light of just a terrible week for pitching. Obviously, we saw the news on you know the, the announcement on Monday. Uh, about uh, baseball cracking down on substances on the ball, foreign substances on the ball. You wrote a good newsletter on that one uh, earlier in the week. In addition, the other thing you talked about is, you know, we're going to be tracking all the offensive numbers here and the big jump. And people use June 21st as the demarcation point. And that's not necessarily the right demarcation point. Because first of all, they kind of gave the pitchers the lowdown. Hey, we're going to be enforcing things. So you better start changing now, right? Uh, But also offense heats up in the summertime you, and you did a really good article talking about how you're using previous years, OPS plus comparing the jump from April and May to June, then versus April and May now and going back, not just 2019, but other years too.
2: Yeah. You go back to 2016 you find that you get, you know, about eight points on average from April, May up to June. And, you know, it it looks a little bit like, a bell curve in most years, kind of maybe a little bit shifted towards the back end. But offense is lowest in April and September, cold weather, and mostly being the factor, and highest in uh, June and August. So we'll mm-hmm. see how this plays out. But if you go back to the start of the week, there was a lot of this, well, you know, you go back, you, if you draw a line at the date that MLB made us think about this and talking about offense going up. So I really wanted to provide a baseline to say, hey, look, we expect offense to rise. And what we want, what we're looking for is – how much does it rise relative to that jump in other years? But also, Jeff, I think we want to look at the components. You know, I've talked a lot about the performance of the baseball this year. Rob Arthur at Baseball Prospectus has talked about how it isn't flying as far, even though it's being hit harder than it's ever been hit before. So I think we've got to be careful to not just say, oh, offense is up. That means, you know, this is all happening. Or even not get too caught up in spin rate changes because those numbers do bounce around a little bit. You know, Saras had a good piece of The Athletic kind of talking about this stuff this week. Um there's always a, real, a desire to get on the story and and, and and do the analysis and be the first out there. I think we're going to want to all tap the brakes on this.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think that's really a good point. And uh, I, I agree with you on that. Um, and then there's a, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of tapping the brakes going on. Tyler Glass has obviously been the other huge issue this week. Amazing season, awful news. He is outright saying that the, the, this emphasis on the, the, the substances on the ball, and taking away from that midseason helped create cause his injury. I can see it, but at the same time, it's hard to say, you know, say it's it's more, it, it's not all that, you know. I, I don't know for sure. I mean, this is a guy who hasn't thrown a ton of innings in the past, has had some other arm issues in the past, has been treated with kid gloves in the past. It's really hard to say, okay, yeah, you're right. That's definitely what happened. But he was pretty articulate about, about describing it. I'm not giving it justice by him to, you know, to his press conference, but yeah, it's, there, there's a lot here. I'm, I'm struggling to find the right question for you here, but I want you to comment on this situation, please.
2: i, I got to be honest with you, Jeff. I kind of just gave the whole thing a pass. Uh, this yeah. idea that changing, you know, be having to grip the ball harder might actually hurt your elbow. To me, it was a guy, a young guy having a great year, who is now being told that, hey, you might be out for a long time. I, I really right. – and I understand. He was very articulate in the conversation. And I think his main point, which is that changing these rules in the middle of the season is a problem. That he's right about. It. And yeah. be jumping in at the end of May, the beginning of June, and saying, oh, we're now going to enforce this rule we weren't enforcing for, you know, a thousand years. No, that, that's a really bad process. And I think we need to call MLB to task for that. But as far as the making the direct connection between not using grip enhancers and hurting your elbow – I'd like to say, at worst, it's a post hoc era by Tyler Glass. At best, it's a young guy, emotional, frustrated, possibly seeing his season go down the drain, possibly heading for, you know, missing a year and a half with uh, t- surgery and rehab. So I, I don't want to put too much weight on what he said the other night. If it turns out, you know, if if we have a series of injuries that seem to be caused by the lack of grip enhancers, I think we can have that conversation. But I, I really kind of just gave Glassnow a pass for being a frustrated, talented young guy who's seeing his career possibly being altered.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's just now yeah, we see DeGrom today. You know, it's like who's who's tomorrow? What 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 what's the next shoe to drop? It's just that's the thing that's that's frustrating. And we haven't even gotten to the performance changes yet. You know, we've right. seen we're all chasing, we're all watching the spin rate drops and all that. We, you know, watching every Trevor Bauer start, watching every Garrett Cole start. Cole's going right now. Uh, against the Jays They're he's down uh, two to one actually in the seventh and he wasn't you know he hasn't been striking out as many guys uh now some of this is he's facing the Blue Jays a really good team a good lineup but uh he's the spin rate is down again they I saw I saw screenshots from this from Brian Hoke, among other people tonight uh while watching the games
2: do we care I'm, I'm asking this seriously like yeah like spin rate is something that you know we can track now and we know and analytically we know that it has an effect on the effectiveness both of fastballs and uh, and breaking pitches but at the end of the day we care about outputs if spin rate goes down but strikeout rate drops half percent 1% so now we're at the strikeout rate of 2 years ago is that really changing what we're getting if that comes hand in hand with a jump in walk rate are we really improving the watchability of the game i think that's where i see this going jeff i think the, 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 there's still going to be the lack of action that we have. It's just going to be shaped a little bit differently. Uh, Particularly, like, There's a lot of question right now. Are pitchers going to take off some velocity for control and command and possibly will get more hittable pitches? Or are they going to do the same thing they always do, or just walk even more guys or hit even more guys, You know, than, which doesn't seem possible this year? I'm leaning towards the second of those because I think it's very hard for guys to throttle back. I think you'll see them use – pitch much, much the same way they have been and sacrifice command in the process. But in either case, spin rate is just an input. What we yeah. care about is – And for, I mean, forget guys like you and me who talk about it and write about it all the time. But if you're you a know, Joe baseball fan who goes to a game at home stand and watches the home team play 60 games a year on his TV, you, what you care about are batting average and slugging and what happens on a ball in play and what the strikeout rate is. So I'm still a lot more focused on the output numbers than on the input.
1: For sure. And I, I get you on that. And, but I, and I do care because of the outputs I care because I have Garrett Cole in like the NFBC main event and I'm watching him start tonight. And I, you know, I want to make sure he's doing well. Now that I don't have Trevor Bauer anywhere. I actually shied away from Trevor Bauer a little bit because remember MLB had that directive. They sent out that and I think it got leaked. I'm not sure if it was leaked or actually leaked. Uh, but you know, at the end of spring training, I'd say maybe a week and a half before the season started saying they are going to be observing that they're going to watch spin rates. They're going to they're, We're going to take a sample of baseballs so that their argument could be is, hey, we told you this is coming now. That's a different than actually having penalties behind it. Announcing that midseason. I have a problem with that. Uh, but MLB's kind of also said, you know, it ha- has shown the last year and a half. They're willing to change a lot of things on the fly.
2: Well, the, the argument they can make is that this rule has been on the books for a hundred years. I mean, literally. that's
1: true. Yeah. Um, Chris Welsh was talking about that on the Reds broadcast the other day. And,
2: and He's in addition to be a great broadcaster. He's got a great website. Um, yep. uh, that, that covers like the rules and weird things that happens in the rules. Um, yep. I call baseball rules Academy. People want to check that out.
1: Right. And uh, you can follow my Twitter at ThinkPitch. He, think he's, pitch. He's yeah. He, he's really good. Solid. Uh, nice guy too. Very nice guy. Um,
2: uh, hmm. to kind of circle back here though, uh, this is an enforcement of a rule in place. The parallel, I think, we've all been using here is to steroids, where MLB just kind of ignored the thing that was going on for a long time, and then snap decided, "Oh, let's let's make this an issue." And you know, for guys like me who can't really get away from the labor elements of it, it's hard to not see this in here too. And I don't want to derail us here today, but I want to make no, you can there. because
1: I'm going to also. So go yeah, ahead.
2: I don't think you can separate this coming up, the MLB's insistence on doing this in the middle of the season from, Hey, it's an opportunity to divide the players much as they did 20 years ago. It's dividing the players in advance of a collective bargaining negotiation, which was you know, mm-hmm. 2001 to 2002. And kind of this, yeah, as I've, I've written before, you know, the drop in offense in April and May was really about the performance of the baseball, as opposed to a big increase in strikeout rate or a fall off. That walk rate was actually up. So, it, it's one thing to say, well, they should enforce the rules, but I don't think you can divorce that from the larger context in which we're playing here.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, now, you were at my wedding, two thousand two. The, you know, I remember this one vividly. Uh, this was also my, the, the actual day of the wedding. Was also the day when the collective bargaining agreement deadline for negotiations, the strike deadline, or play stoppage deadline, was yeah. to what was that day? I remember players getting booed in the ball, you know, know, the fans turning on the players, how Mm -hmm. steroids was turned into this, you know, an issue that became a negotiating issue, a leverage issue. I see this the same way a little bit. They're painting the pitchers as the villains. Oh, those cheating pitchers, you know, putting these substances on the ball. It's gone too far. We know it's been a historical part of the game, but now it's weaponized. They use stuff like that. Oh, yeah, look look what's coming up here. You know, organizations have been teaching pitchers. You need to do this if you want to advance. Zach Gallon had a quote today calling out Michael Hill saying, you know, hey, you told us we need to do this. And now you're going to crack down on that? It's interesting to see, you know, this pushback. Now, we'll see. Typically, does the public buy that or do they buy what MLB is selling them? I, 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 all I have to do is look at the, at the talks last year and when to start the season and how to start the season and know which way this is going to go.
2: Uh, the, or, you know, the last 50 years of coverage of labor and management relationships in yeah. baseball. I will say that I think we're it's better than it's ever been before to the extent that um, yeah, it's not, even if it's not great, I think something like Zach Gallon calling up the commissioner's office will get more play. Something like the actual data about the baseball will get more play. Um, there yeah. are a lot of really good writers out there. I think the, the, the volume of good content out there is more than it was 20 years ago. 100% agree. Well, it's a so generational shift. No right? question about it. No question that it's younger writers who come into it with a certain attitude again, but they've been reading, you know, the generation that came before yeah. and the, you know, the, us old people. Um, so I think that's influenced the coverage as well. So, you know, I, we'll have to see how this plays out over the next year, of course, with the negotiations coming up. But in this moment, I think we're seeing more pushback on the narrative than we would have 15 or 20 years ago.
1: Oh, I agree. I agree. And, you know, the funny thing, too, is like you know, look at Gallon's hometown. Zach Buchanan, Nick Picoro, those are two super smart writers, really solid guys. Uh, Steve Gilbert, too, for uh, MLB.com, also a really good writer. They're, they're, that market has served very well, um, you know, at least on the written word side of the equation, at least. And Mike <laughs> Farron does. I like Mike Farron too, uh, from Farron's the radio great. side of things. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of – Fun to see this. All right, let's talk some actual baseball on the field here. Um, let's talk. Yankees uh, just tied it up again. Or actually, they just go ahead? Uh, they just went ahead. Uh, Two-run homer by Gary Gary Sanchez against the Jays. It's now 3-2. On fire. Uh, he's on fire. Um, this wasn't even the bullpen horse show that it's been for the Blue Jays lately. It's actually – this was off Stripling, the starter, who has actually been pretty good lately. Uh, Yankees, though, they have not been swinging the bats. Gary Sanchez is waking up finally. Now They've had some injuries, their share of injuries, but Glaber Torres is just a shell of his former self so far. DJ LeMahieu has done some very hard regressing to the mean this year. Uh, I think a lot of people might have called that one, but uh, even though he re-signed with the Yankees, still it was is a pretty good regression. What do you see going for the Yankee franchise going forward?
2: I'm curious as to how they're going to be affected by all the stuff we're talking about. If you yeah. think about a team that was hurt by the new baseball, the Yankees' whole offensive idea is hit the ball hard and up and that's yeah. harder to get productive productivity out of. The fall off from Voit to R- Rudin Odor is awful. The fall off from Aaron Hicks to Brett Gardner and sometimes Aaron Judge in center field, both uh-huh. offensively and defensively is a mess. So and of course, you know, Judge has been out at times, uh uh Stanton's been out. It's just it's a lot of it, it's just a team that's been exposed a lot this year. Um it's I think they'll be better offensively. I actually wrote at the Rotowire column today that you know, they scored On this road trip, they scored at least five runs in five of the six contests. I expected them to hit well tonight. They did not, although they're still going. Um, But no, I think the offense is not going to be the problem. I think the pitching depth is where they're possibly going to be exposed. In the sixth and seventh innings, in the fourth and fifth uh, rotation spots, I think they will hit as the year goes on. They'll get Voigt back here soon enough. Um, They'll probably be in the market for a short-term bat, certainly in the outfield. Um, They have depth prospects they can use to do that. We know the Yankees can afford the price, the financial price for a rental. Um, I don't think they can get Cattell Marte. I just don't think they have the prospect depth for it. But, you know, second and third tier guys I think will help. So um, I don't think they can catch the Rays. I think you're looking at one of the two AL wildcard teams regardless.
1: And that's a huge disappointment considering the expectations going into the season. I'll be the first to take the uh, L from Sint Frazier. Not Clint because I took his L already. Uh, I I thought he was gonna. Yeah, I know, terrible. I know. And you're like, where is he going with this one? Uh, yeah. You and I are in, are in labor together, and I took him in the tenth round. And oh, or maybe it was the eleventh round. But it, it it doesn't sound. It maybe it sounds in, infinitely in, infinitesimally better that I took him in the eleventh and the tenth. But it's still bad. I I expected him to be in the middle of that lineup after he was last year, and he hasn't. It doesn't matter where in the lineup he's doing because he's awful and he's losing playing time too
2: to Miguel Andujar, who yeah. basically hasn't hit since his rookie season and is doing on-the-job training in left field. it's I'm shocked that the way this has gone. Uh, but, you know, the Yankees have given him a fairly reasonable stretch of playing time here, and he just didn't hit. And yeah, you know, It's one yeah. thing if you if you're hitting. It's one thing if you've got seven lineup spots that are producing, but when you're not mm-hmm. scoring runs, it increases the pressure on guys who are maybe marginal, who are – options to, right. to play so and Andor can't go back to third i mean the, the defensive difference between him and our is probably on the order of three wins a season so this is left field that's going to have to happen for him so yeah frazier gets squeezed out there you never know with the yankees somebody gets hurt every all the time so if, you know if, if we're Stanton to go down again we're djlm to go down i mean you might see if get that other opportunity
1: yeah maybe so um but yeah he and torres are the two biggest disappointments in my in my book yeah. uh What's up with Labour Torres? Can we expect a bounce back from him?
2: I think this, this shock for me is I thought he would hit for average, but not power. And of course, that big year he had was really more power based. Um, yeah. Can the Yankees schedule the Orioles 42, 43 times a year? Is that something they can work on? Yeah. Um, failing that, I mean, the approach has been a mess. The, the lack of like sh- strong contact numbers are really driving me because I thought of nothing else. It, I thought the floor for Torres at this point might be you know, a 230 hitter with power. Kind of, yeah, you know, Ruggiero Dor special, um, and it just it hasn't worked out at all. So I think you've got to stick with him, especially at shortstop, because Yankees just don't really have other options. And that's one of the problems the Yankees have right now. There's no upper level depth. This is a team that pulled a Luke Voigt, pulled a Gio Urshela, um has turned Kyle Igashioka into a pretty good player, but they've kind one of
1: good for a long time. Talk,
2: too. And I talkman for really for one of the various Peralta's. Um, that's that's going to bug me for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike Ford hasn't worked out. There's just that magic that they had for a couple of years there hasn't really uh, paid off for them. So they're going to have to yeah. go outside the organization, but you can't go get a short. I mean, you've got to basically, you know, on some level, you are what you are. You can fill in around the margins. The Yankees don't have the kind of prospect depth that the Rays, the Dodgers, the Padres do, where they can go out and get that superstar at the deadline. I don't think they're going to trade Jason Dominguez. I, I mean, if they are, then I'm wrong. But unless you're going to put a guy like that in the market, you're talking about filling in around the edges. So Torres is your shortstop.
1: Right. And the other problem with Torres is he's really not that good of a, uh, uh, you know, no. really not that good of a shortstop defensively.
2: So he's not bringing you the D. I mean, you know, if, if he was a plus defender, you say, okay, this is a bad D.D. Gregorius season. At least you're getting that from him. And I'm, I, that's what I was, I was wrong about him too. I thought he would stay, he would be a credible shortstop. I, I did not expect him to struggle as much defensively. So, you know, it's, it's really a problem we solved in the offseason. This is one of the reasons I didn't want to sign DJLM. I wanted to just go a year. You know, Patch shortstop with one of the Simmons. Who was out there? Galvis was out there, maybe not him, but Didi was out there. Patch shortstop for a year with that and then go into this year's market with Correa, bias, story, etc. Um mm-hmm. I think I'm going off for Semyon. Just think I that, went for Yeah, I mean that's that's a big swing right now between these two teams. You're talking about what a two, three win swing already this year. semyon has mm-hmm. been fantastic. So he's actually gonna be back on the market next year as well. So you'll have options next offseason. Um, and I think that you look at the Yankees now. Now, I, do you start to look at LeMahieu as kind of a Chris Taylor type? And I know. remember, that contract was kind of strange in that it was six for 90. He's only getting $15 million a year. It's not like he's getting paid so much that you've got to turn him into your everyday ex. Do you sign a shortstop, move Torres to second? And now LeMahieu is playing five to six days a week at four positions. You know, you've got a Voight, you've got Shella. I, I I really think the Eagles are going to have to get into that market next year because it's just not – it's a good team. It's not a great team. And they need to go out and find that five-win player. Yeah. Maybe I As just like Miles Correa too much. Yeah.
1: As a Reds fan, I'm, I was, I'm acutely aware of what the shortstop options were Ooh, this offseason yeah. and uh, what they will be next year, too. Uh, although I think they might try to solve that internally. We'll see. But, uh, you know, with their prospect that's in A that just changed his name. Uh, Garcia, I, I, Garcia, yeah. It used to be Garcia. Now it is. And bear with me. I'll have that for you in a second. But Did this just uh, happen? Yeah, in honor of his mother, who passed away um, to COVID. Jose Barrero now is his okay. last name. So, uh, but yeah, I don't. And knowing the Reds, they're not going to spend the money. I mean, this is a team that said, "Here, take Rysell Iglesias, our closer. We won't miss him in the bullpen." Oh, and while we're at it, Archie Bradley, thanks for coming over, but we're going to let you go too for nothing. And in fact, we're not even going to offer you a contract. Just go. We don't want you now. That yeah, I, I'm getting bitter about my Reds no. Fans, I even like even though they're playing I like well.
2: Bitter, bitter Reds fan, Jeff. I love this.
1: But they don't deserve – I mean, they deserve bitterness from the, how they treated this offseason. The way they're playing right now is actually fun. Uh, and said bullpen has actually been good in the last week. I was
2: going to say, it's the last best week this bullpen's had. Even if they lose Antone, and then he, the guys who have been getting battered from pillar to post actually pitching well for a week. I well, looked Lucas up – Sims
1: day. is fine. He was always fine. He had two bad outings, basically.
2: But, but I mean, I looked up, and Heath hembury was closing. Yeah. Didn't they yeah. just claim him off waivers?
1: But that's the Reds way. They're finding these guys. And this is, but this is also a a David Bell feature in a way too, because, you know, he loves to mix and, you know, he, you know, he likes to do the whole high leverage reliever thing, but he does it kind of wrong. I think, Uh, you know, it does in the middle of the fifth and sixth inning sometimes. And I, I know a reliever's role is to get out. Right. But there is a rhythm to getting ready. There is a, you know routine they go through, and you know he just he does this kind of willy nilly. He does a lot of the fifth and sixth inning double switches. I'm just like, ah, you know, just he's overmanaging, I think.
2: Yeah, I um, saw Sims come into a game in the fifth, maybe a week ago, and, and that and was it
1: didn't work. Hard. It was bad. It was a bad outing. It was in relief of Castillo over the weekend, I think, or maybe no, against Milwaukee last week it was. And that you know Castillo pitched well, deserved better. It was like a Thursday getaway day game. I didn't get to watch it. That was when I was. On vacation so boohoo poor me but um at the same time i it's just i've seen it a lot of times this year and i know why iglesias pushed back against that when he was the closer at the reds too and to his credit bell relented and treated iglesias more as a closer last year and it kind of worked out i you have to have full buy-in and you also have to have some touch to it so you know i i think there's it's a delegate thing um so we'll see
2: you're the host, but let me because we've been talking about this on the newsletter Slack. Uh, Josh Hader, who is essentially mm-hmm. seems to have kind of demanded that he be used in that hothouse flower way. I, I do think it can screw up your bullpen because you're, you're best with it. And remember, with the trade of Fire Eisen and uh, the, the other guy, I'm going to forget, You know, they've lost some depth in that bullpen behind Williams. Yeah. Uh, and they really could use Hader in like uh, there was a game the other night, he threw 16 pitches in the ninth. And then came out of the game in the tenth when there was a runner on second and nobody out. Like that's the higher leverage situation. And you anyone, wrote about this
1: last year, right? I remember how I, they treated right. Williams against the Cardinals at the very end of the season, how they treated Williams and Hater, and how they didn't use him enough.
2: Right. And I think that, you know, again, you want to it's a personnel, it's a people management thing. You mentioned, yeah, you know, with the Glazes, you want to get buy-in. We already know Hater can be used this way. I'm not saying abuse him, but you've got to be able to get two innings out of your best reliever sometimes. It can't be yeah. you're only going to use this guy for 15 pitches you know, in that rigid closer situation, you don't have, excuse me, enough relievers to do that. with. I don't, I don't think the Brewers have enough relievers to turn Josh Hader into that guy. He's the guy that came to mind. She mentioned Iglesias last year kind of using that role. And it's like, how do you find that balance between managing the player? Cause Hader, I think has now come out and said, you know, he really wants to be used in that role. Well, That's nice, but you would also like to be used in the last week of October, right?
1: For sure. Uh, and and to his credit, he's actually thrown more innings this year. He's thrown 27 and two-thirds innings already. So he's on pace for a good almost 80-inning season, I think.
2: Last I checked, it was, all, it was literally all one-inning rolls.
1: Yeah, it is. 28 games, 27 and two-thirds. I I, I mean, I understand what you're saying with the, the multi-inning rolls, too. And that, that could be – and maybe later in the season, they will do that. He's also – you know, he also went through a stretch pitch four out of five days. But then before that pitch, like, it was off for six days. So yeah. – I don't know. It, it is it's it's a little wild. And results have been amazing though, too. You know, 0. 0.65 ERA, 0. 0.76 whip. He does he hasn't allowed a homer this year after allowing a bunch of only to write twice
2: a week. I could write a lot better than I do, man. Yeah. I want that Rick Riley gig where I only write like 50 columns a year.
1: Hey, you know, you're working for the wrong uh employer. You gotta <laughs> need to talk to your employer about that one there. Hey, you're uh, part of my
2: employee, my player right now.
1: That's true, and yeah, you are you are writing the gambling problem. And I loved how you're over on the uh, Cleveland Baltimore game hit really nice and early on that one.
2: Yeah, that was I, I, the the way that's been going, an early win. By the way, I love the the malaprop there. I'm writing the gambling problem.
1: Mm, did I say that? Yes, uh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> call them, not problem, but yeah. Oh, yeah, it's okay. been a little bit of both. Potato, potato, uh, but th- there you go. Hey, uh, this uh, podcast is sponsored by WinBet, but we also insert a couple ads here in the middle. Uh, if you're listening to us on the live stream, you won't hear them, but if you're on the podcast, you'll hear them right now.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you.
1: And we're back. All right. That was quick and easy there. Uh, I'm Jeff Erickson here with Joe Sheehan uh, from the Joe Sheehan newsletter. Joe, how can people get a hold of your newsletter?
2: Just check out JoeSheehan.com. In fact, the newsletter I sent out Tuesday night about Tyler Glasnow and uh, his injury and possible causes of it, I posted that for free at JoeSheehan.com. So you can get a sense of what I do. You can see excerpts from previous uh, things. I usually put a, a piece of every column that I do up on the uh site at sheehan.com It is a subscription product. You can get pricing information as well. It's also a link on the webpage at Joe Sheehan.com. Drop me an email, let me know what you think. If you have any questions, I'm happy to send you a sample as well. So Joe sheehan.com also check me out on Twitter at Joe underscore Sheehan. At least for a little while longer.
1: You always threaten to quit uh golf, poker, and Twitter.
2: I've done two of those things actually. Yeah. I haven't not got all not, not, not the same in- time. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, but I've actually I haven't played golf or poker in since well before the pandemic. I, I don't think, I think I've played a handful of times and I haven't played golf since the last time we played almost uh, three years ago. I and mean, your clubs are still out here, right? Yes, they are. I wasn't our, expecting a little
1: place. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I actually have promised. I've pledged that if I get to certain uh, subscription levels, I will leave Twitter. All right.
1: Wow. Um, I, you know, I took Twitter off during my vacation. I think I might've liked a couple of tweets. I did not tweet anything though. I I was, I, I tried to ma- I tried to stay off it as much as I can, but every once in a while, I you look at that! Your worked. hair's
2: growing back, and you you look ten yeah. years younger. See?
1: Yeah, I do need a haircut. You're right, but uh, it's a little grayer now than it used to be, but that's okay. That's I'm, I'm officially fifty now, so I can do that. I'm allowed that. So, all right, let's keep moving here. So, the Reds did sweep the Brewers. This isn't Reds talk. We'll move on to that. But the, the yeah, you know, the Brewers are really good at run prevention. They have this hideous lineup. I look at it all the time, and one of the big problems is Christian Yelich. You know, he, he's not the same guy he's been, but, uh, you know, this is two years running now. The strikeout rate is really high. That's the thing that really kind of caught my eye is last year he went from, you know, 20%, 20%, 20% all of his career to one year and two months, 30%. And we're like, okay, was it just a two-month sample? Was it the restart? I don't think so now. I mean, it's still there.
2: Uh, I just don't think he's physically right. And, again, I'm giving yeah. everybody a pass for 2020. But, remember, he came off the DL for one day went back on, um, mm-hmm. he's come back. He's well, I want to say he's a two homer since he came off the DL, but he's just not the same guy physically. And I think that's showing up both in the, the contact rate and what he gets when out of the contact, when he hits, um, He's not the same guy defensively too. If you watch him in the field, this is somebody who was a gold glove caliber outfielder. Um, and he's just not that good. I guess I have to say fielding Bible award caliber outfielder. Now, uh, we're all modern and statistical, but,
3: uh, he's yeah. just not
2: the same hitter. And you're right. When you take him out of that lineup, and, you know, they're down Kane most of the time. And, you know, I, I, I want to say today they had a first inning rally that ended with Jace Peterson batting with the bases loaded and two outs. And yeah. the problem with that is that Jace Peterson was batting sixth. So are you and me batting seventh and eighth in a lineup that is Jace Peterson batting sixth? There's just Tim weird.
1: Lopes and David Robertson. I mean, I mean
2: come on. It's, it's really strange because this team a couple years ago had it all, right? They had the good offense. They didn't have the deep starting pitching, but they had that incredible first level, first uh, version of the council bullpen that was built around Hayter. And it's just, it's a ridiculously bad offense at this point. Now, this is a team that's been aggressive in season under David Stearns. They've gone out a number of times and added. and I think you look at what they need. One of the things about when you're playing Jace Peterson and Tim Lopes is that you're a lot easier to upgrade. So if you're going from a replacement level player, if you bring in an average hitter, you know, that's a one win upgrade over the last you know third of the season. So I think this is a good situation to be in if you're Stearns. Um, I will say though, I don't think they can count on you know Kane and Yellich to combine for, you know, I think there were what 11 wins combined a couple of years ago. I mean, if they get three out of them this year, I think they got to be happy because of all the physical problems both have had.
1: Yeah. And we haven't even mentioned and hero who's now on a second demotion of the yep. season. And uh, you know, that, that's devastating when I mean, you're counting on your big time prospect. He makes his debut and he's gone Brett Laurie on us. And you know, I just trust me, I, I had Brett Laurie on my watch. That, that, that one was that was one of Jeff's greatest hits in Towel Wars,
2: there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think you were still in AL Tower Wars at that point in time. That was a while ago. You know, our friend Keith Law was listening to, his, listening to his podcast through the athletic recently, and he said, Whoever did that to Kestinger's swing should be arrested. So yeah. I, it's just it's obviously a mechanical floor, but you, you look, maybe he can bounce back eventually. I mean, Lowry eventually, I think had like one decent year, but um, it, it's a it's a hard thing because either you've got to plug him in and play every day, and you know, first base is no longer available. Dan Vogelback is pretty much taken that job, so you move here back to second. Eh, he's a pretty bad defensive second baseman. And Colton Wong is normally really good there, and his like, is pretty like good OBP too. He's on the DL, so yeah, uh, I forgot about him. But yeah, it's just there might not be a place for you right now until next year right. when the DH shows up.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that that's another fun story there. I really like to see that. Uh, yeah, hey, we can change that midseason. Let's do that right now. Uh, if we can change other rules, let's just get the DH in so we don't get any more pitchers hurt hitting. Uh, but anyway, fix
2: the strike zone.
1: Yes, yes, right. that too.
2: Really, yeah, really. I know. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh,
1: the Padres are in a bad way right now. Lost to the Rockies again today. Uh, they are not hitting. I mean, today, what was wasn't really the offense, but of course, feel so maybe it kind of was the offense. Yesterday, they got uh, they got four runs early and then couldn't hold on, and they didn't get any more runs after that. That was a problem for them. Uh, they they were shut down big time until Sunday by the Mets. Uh, Tatis had a, a grand slam to kind of save at least part of that road trip, but. They're they're not playing very well right
2: now. You know, this is my concern about them coming into the season is that it was hard to find anybody from last year's team who you would expect to be actually better this year. And you, mm-hmm. know, some of you guys have actually held on. I mean, Trent Grisham is a much better player than I expected him to be when he was coming through the the Brewer system. as Trent Clark? He's actually had a great follow up year. Maybe not as valuable fantasy wise. Only you know, just mm-hmm. the, just the seven steals so far, but hitting for average, hitting for power. But you know, Manny Machado hasn't followed up on a near MVP season, you know, Tatis has developed, but you know, you, you know, Eric Hosmer's gone back to being Eric Hosmer. They're not getting production out of the catcher spot. It's just, it's, it's not yeah. the same offense as last year. And then, you know, they have what, 63 or 64 pitchers have gotten hurt for this team. Um, it's one thing to have all these yeah. you have the, the pitching the hitting regression has been matched by, you know, losing a lot of these pitchers, kind of having to fake it. Now, you look at the trades they made in the offseason and they those have basically saved them. Darvish and Musgrove have saved this team this year. Um, I don't want to talk about the left-hander, who basically has blown up my entire mixed-labor team. Um, I'm really angry at myself for that pick because I, I didn't want to take Snell there. And it was more like, I need to take a starter because that's what you do. And Snell has just been absolutely hideous, pretty much except for that one start against the Mets.
1: Yeah, and he, he's got some pretty severe home road splits. Uh, that, that's also been an issue for him. Uh, and the funny thing is, too, is you mentioned Grisham, he's been hurt twice, including at the start of the season, mm-hmm. and just came back from his heel injury. Heels have been, you know, him and Mike Moustak has had multiple setbacks with that heel injury. Moustak has had another one this week, won't be coming back this week, uh, as initially planned, against said Padre. So, uh, I don't know, heels are weird, uh, I, I guess. It, you know, Achilles had one, uh, but it's uh, been a problem for him all along. Uh, let's, but yeah, that, 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 you know, look at this division, the Giants, I, I knew they were, impro- they were improved last year and then faded hard at the end. I like their front office, smart front office. I'm really surprised they're this good though.
2: They seem to have that little major league level of magic where they can take mediocre players. We talked about the Rays doing this, the Dodgers, the, the Yankees to some extent. Um, and they're just getting good performances out of them. And the thing that is they're doing it on the pitching side as well. They yeah. turned. They finally unlocked Kevin Gaussman with the Orioles, the Braves, and what was the other team he played for?
1: Mm, pipe down! Joe. <laughs> just look at the but look at the entirety of their rotation. Right. It's not just Gossman. It's Cueto, former Red. Desclafani, former former Red. red. Alex oh, Wood, good. former Red. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, various stripes now gossman i think and, and they non-tendered gossman too by the way that was pretty cool I, I thought that there might have been a benign explanation for them but clay link's like no no we non-tendered them uh so it's like great that's awesome fun times yeah, but I,
2: i've written them off twice i want to say i wrote about them in early may and then again right around Memorial day and both times i was like they can't keep this up they're keeping it up and at some point you are what the standings say you are um I don't. I don't know that they're going to fall fast and hard enough to actually be sellers, and that's what I thought they would do. Because all those pitchers you just mentioned are free agents at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I think the only mm-hmm. guy in their rotation right now that is on their roster for next year is Logan Webb. So maybe you, it becomes the '77 White Sox, where you just say, you know what, this is the team we have. Let's just try to fill it out as best we can.
1: Um, We've been waiting for this sell-off for five years with the Giants.
2: Well, three anyway. I mean, we thought I thought Zaidi would trade away uh, Madison Bumgarner a couple of years ago. And he, right. they, they had that really – they had like that 10 of 11 stretch right before the trade deadline of course. that talked them into stay. And then they, you know, went 20 and 40 the rest of the way. Um, I think that is absolutely in play for this team. Um, yeah. You know, the injury they, – they, they've been hit with some injuries. They're an older team that's going to be hit with injuries. But, I mean, you can't – if you're within a game of first place on July 15th, you can't turn around. And, I mean, there's a warranty right. like that. I mean, you can't start dumping. So, you know, the one thing I'll say is that when the Luciano – Ramos Bailey version of this team is in place. You're going to – the this skill that they've shown at identifying uh, low value talent, essentially free talent, and bringing it in and making it better is going to be a huge part of the game. Because oh, like absolutely. I said, you look at the best teams in baseball now. Yes, they go out. They have those that clutch of twenty war the twenty war a group of guys producing twenty four war for no money but they're also finding the tailors and the voids and guys like that. So um, the giants really seem to have that skill under, you know, I mentioned Zaydi, but I know a lot of people still don't think Gabe Kapler is a good manager and that's got to change.
1: Well, I don't know about Kapler anymore. Um, I mean, it was easy to mock him in Philly and I I still, maybe I'm concerned about uh, some things he does with the giants, but I, I I can't say he's made a lot of like glaring mistakes. I haven't seen like, oh, what's he doing? Whereas other teams, I frequently see that or think I see that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm willing to give them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt before, uh, you know, than I did before. But uh, it, you're right, though. They're, they're going to be in an interesting stretch here. Uh, they don't have anybody, you know, uh, they it's not true. They have one person that still could be, get the Madame Madison Bumgarner honorarium treatment. That's Buster Posey. Uh, that you could say, well, he deserves to finish out here in San Francisco sort of thing. But he's actually good right now. I mean, that, that's the that's the tricky part with
2: Posey. Well, I didn't think they could trade Posey or Crawford for those reasons. I mean, the the prospect we might get for – and rentals don't bring back anything now. I did this research. No, I saw, that, I saw that
1: article from you too in so, the news. You know, yeah.
2: and, and granted, Posey and Crawford have played absolutely out of their minds this year. But either rentals, you're just not going to get a ton for them. Um, Posey is – one of those two is a ten and five guy. The other one, he's either just about to be or, or just misses. But you're, Cozy, I think, has a no trade. So essentially, you've yeah. got to go to them and say, "Do you want to leave?" And if the Giants right. were contending in any way, I don't think either one of those guys. You know what you don't want to do is trade them against their will. You don't want to say, "We're we're trading you anyway." You don't want to put them under that. Um, what right. was it? The, what team traded McGriff to the Cubs? Was it when the tr- the Cubs wanted to trade McGriff and McGriff said, "I don't want to go," and that turned into a whole thing? It's one thing to do it with Fred McGriff, who doesn't have a long history with your franchise. Right. The Giants don't want to get into a public, can I say pissing? Well I just did match with um with Posey and Crawford. So
1: no I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I, I think, think they yeah. can read the room pretty well on that too. And the thing is it's not just that Posey's been good. He's been phenomenal. Right. You know, yeah. 940 OPS from a catcher. Batting third, I, I, you know,
2: every player yeah. should take a year off at the end of their careers.
1: <laughs> Apparently, especially if you're a catcher.
2: Right. I mean, Salvador Perez, I think, would benefit from the short season last year. You look, I go back to yeah. Dave Winfield, who missed a year with back surgery um, back uh, 1989, I think he missed. And he came back in 90, and he, he almost won the batting title. I mean, there's, there's something to these guys' bodies, just getting that full reset. Um, I think we're seeing it with something. It's strange to talk about pitcher health, given the year that we're having. But when you look at some of the guys who are having good years and some of the performances, I think some of it is just only having to throw. 50, 60, 70 innings last year. They really, that it was like a, a half year off for a lot of these guys.
1: Yeah, I think there's some to that there. Maybe everybody should have uh, get your owner suspended by getting blackmailed by a gambler uh, sort of thing too. Uh, with Winston Highly
2: recommended, that. especially. That's huge. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah Steinbrenner ruined yeah. my childhood. So I was, I still remember the night he was, the suspension was announced. And I mean, this wasn't everybody having a phone back then. I don't remember how it got announced at the stadium, but the, there was a standing ovation. Yeah, at Yankee Stadium the night he got—I'll never forget it. It was, it was, and then four years later they won a World Series.
1: Ding dong, the witch is dead. Uh, but you know, it forced them to do the right thing with their prospects. So that, at least that's the yeah. narrative. Um, I don't know. No, it absolutely
2: it, helped having him not around as Jeter yeah. and Williams and those guys were developing. Posada, Gene Michael mm-hmm. put a heck of a team on the field. And, he did. You know, he—I. It's almost forgotten because Cashman's been there for so long now. But those early teams where Gene, uh, were Gene uh, were g michael and bob watson and guys like that uh oh god i'm gonna forget the kind of just resigned in grace it was the resigned in disgrace i can't remember the name there was another executive from that period who was a key member of that front office so um but yeah i so i guess the the, the trick is to get castellini to get mad at one of his players and mm-hmm. pay a guy for dirt on him and that's how they the uh, reds will get back to the world series
1: yeah except the, the yeah uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I won't get cynical about that. Maybe that is the way to go. Ready to take some questions? Yeah, sure. All right. Bibat Juice says, Rendon, uh, Anthony Rendon and Bellinger, chances to produce ADP-level stats the second half of the year. Both are dealing with nagging injuries. Bellinger's on the IL. Rendon is not uh, with his triceps, but he, he didn't also didn't play today. Uh, Bellinger has one homer so far uh, and is dealing with a hamstring injury. Let's start with, uh, with, uh, with Cody Bellinger. You know, he's had... Three different things now. The shoulder, which he had surgically repaired. He had the freak injury where he had a, it turned out to be a hairline fracture in his bone in his leg, and now the hamstring injury. It's a lot yeah. to deal with.
2: Our friend Will Carroll will talk about cascade injuries. The guy yeah. hurts one thing, he starts favoring it and hurts the other. I'm bitter about Bellinger because I I think I correctly read that he would be fine by opening day because of the shoulder. And that is actually what happened. I took him with the twelfth pick in tout in labor. I keep saying tout. Um, and, of course, you know the other injuries that have come along, I think you've got to, at this point, assume degradation of performance because the power just hasn't been there when he's played, and limited performance. So I don't think he'll get anywhere near ADP. You know, I, like I said, you know, i took about 112 or whatever his ADP was, you know, 16, 17. Um, I don't think you can count on him for anything like that, especially because the Dodgers, because of their depth, even let's say, poof, Bellinger's back on the roster and he stays there the rest of the year. I think they're going to manage him carefully. I think he's going to be a four to five day, day a week player as opposed to a true full-time hitter.
1: Yeah, I think that might be true. And the thing is he hasn't even played enough for you to even consider trying to sell him, you know, no, even if you, you, know, you just can't do it. Uh, so that that's really tough. By the way, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say the news after this, uh, but the second part of the question, Anthony Rendon uh, also has been hurt. This is his third time getting hurt this year. Also uh, really tough when you're already a top heavy franchise like the angels are. Uh, you just don't have those depth players, uh, which is the story of their franchise every single year under the Arte Moreno reign, it seems like. But four homers hitting 241 so far, 314 OVP, 365 slugging. He just, and it's hard to get going when you, you've been hurt so much, but at the same time, this is not what you're paying for. What do you expect out of anything in Rendon the second half of the season? I'm
2: a, I'm a little more confident. Um, I, the Angels desperately need him. So when he gets healthy, he'll be back in the lineup remember the 2019 season, he missed time at the start of that season. That was when right. the national started 19 and 31. And then he basically played every inning the rest of the way. So he's somebody that, you know, he's either in the lineup or he's not, there's not a lot of that in and out uh, issues right. that I, th- I project that we'll see with Bellinger once R- R- Rendon is back. And I still trust the bat. Um, it's funny because when Rendon was drafted, the reason he slipped to six when he had one, one talent was because he was uh, fragile at LSU. He just did LSU rice. One of those two, um, and he just didn't stay in the lineup. And we mm-hmm. almost forgot about that because he's become this fairly durable player in the middle of his career. And this is more the player that, you know, we kind of projected him to be. But, um, and again, I don't, what was Rendon um, at the turn, at the 2-3 turn in most drafts? Yeah,
1: maybe That's a, a little, little later because he doesn't run. Uh, That's right. And, you know, you know that, it depends. Like a 15-teamer, I'd say like early third, middle third, uh, and a 12 or a little bit later.
2: I could actually see him producing that kind of value. I, I'm a lot more confident in him, certainly, than Bellinger.
1: Okay. Um, very good. Guilds, who is winning one of my two NFPC main event leagues right now. I'm in second behind him. Uh, I wish he'd get, be less proficient at baseball right now. But he's he's a really good player. But he has to ask, if he had to pick one, peak Pedro or peak Jacob deGrom?
2: I wrote this, actually, earlier this year. Um, until tonight, until an hour ago, I thought DeGrom was kind of getting into that conversation of who is the best I've ever seen. Um, and now I think you've got to just say, Hey, look, the volume is just not there. Um, Pedro Martinez doing what he did in the year 2000, one of the greatest hitting seasons in baseball history yes. in Fenway yes. freaking park. I mean, you talk about you know, define peak, right? Is it your best start, best two starts? That's Johnny Vandermeer, you know, best half season. You got a lot of candidates for that. Um, but it's Pedro or Degrom, I think, for the best stretch. But I, Pedro's going to even remember we talked about Pedro being fragile. I mean, he had a year in there where he only made 14 starts, he didn't qualify for the year ERA title. Um, Degrom was somebody who I thought because was one of these guys who, because he had the short season last year, I thought that was one of the reasons he came out this year and was averaging 99 with the fastball. I thought that really helped him. But I just just on volume, I've got to go with Pedro and run environment. And it's a pretty significant difference in the run environment, Fenway. in yes, two thousand and yeah. city in 2021.
1: Yeah. Did you do any of the retro drafts that we did last year before baseball was sports resumed at all?
2: I didn't. Ron actually invited me, Ron Chandler, uh, the great Ron Chandler from baseball HQ. Um, he invited me into one and uh, I just, I really got a lot of enjoyment out of following them online. I think I even dropped into one that you invited me into just to watch yeah. and kind of see the names, but as far as actually prepping for it. And I just, it wasn't something that I, I wanted to do. I think it was, it was during that time in the, in the uh, the pandemic where I just it's kind of getting away from baseball, but no, they I seem like that. a lot of
1: fun. It, it was amazing, but we did a 99 one there, and that was kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so after the 99 season, there's 2000, or maybe it was after 2000, and an AL labor, John Hunt, you know, the who was the man in fantasy baseball. I mean, it, it, in fantasy I baseball were. advice. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I never was. Uh, never at this level. But John Hunt, Baseball Weekly. And this is Matt Weekly, here publication people that you had held in your hands. He wrote the fantasy <laughs> column. He put us on the map. You know, he's the guy that made Roto news uh, bigger than it could have been. And like, well, he he definitely shortened our ramp quite a bit uh, made us big by just screenshotting us a few times. Anyhow, he, his whole thing was, he was never a big spender in auctions. He would never go more than 30, 35, never 40. He went 50 on Pedro after this big year. I mean, that, that was like, whoa, it, it,
2: he was on a, a different planet. He really was.
1: Yeah, it really was. And then, and then he you know, was obviously the number one overall pick in that crazy offensive season. You get, you get your Pedro and then you can kind of figure out what you want to do, how to, how to do your build after that, but it's pretty wild. Um, uh, it's a good question there. Um, uh, MLB moving averages goes two, two-parter wants to know, is Joe ever filled that six-figure assistant job? Uh, yeah. Talk to your management there about that one there, but, uh, but more importantly, uh, given the ball changes, what are you looking for most in determining which pitchers can stick the re- rest of the season?
2: Shouldn't Leguizzo be working on his own podcast right now? Uh, yeah, the, the first is a reference to a tweet that was – I was a little too dry and made a joke that a lot of people took seriously. Um, the second was – I'm sorry. What does he want to do with the baseball?
1: Uh, he goes, given the changes, what are you looking for in determining which pitchers can stick the rest of the season? Which ones are, are you most confident in – performing well
2: I'm not making any changes I'm literally not I'm okay'm I'm, I'm evaluating the pictures based on the information we have to date and I'm this is just not a factor in fact I mentioned this in the gambling column a couple of times I don't think there's actionable information um, and I think there's going to be in time to actually use it this season um, and then we'll see what the rule set is for next year I could be wrong about that I could be minimizing this problem but when I look at all of the factors that go into the increased strikeout rate, Increased walk right now, the lack of performance on contact. I think I said, I think I've said this in a few places. I think the the effect of the sticky stuff is maybe one to two points of woba around the league. Now there's going to be variance mm-hmm. to that, but I think I think it's basically worth one to point, two points of woba, maybe one point of uh, strikeout rate. This isn't going to radically change the game. I again, maybe I'm wrong about this, but that's what I'm. That's how I'm uh, uh, kind of a looking at this as we go into these changes.
1: Do you want it to be
2: a radical difference? Yeah, because if this is the thing—if this is the thing that actually is the difference between an eighteen percent strikeout rate and a twenty-four percent strikeout rate—great. Let's let's let's. That's yeah. great. Congratulations to MLB, and they should have probably done it sooner. I just I can't see how this is the only. This is the biggest part of it. I think the biggest part of it is just the pitchers are that much better, and they're closing the gap between sixty-six and the plate. You know, better than ever before. Um, I'm trying. I think the question I try to get at is what would make this a success? Like how far does strikeout rate have to drop without a concomitant rise in walk rate? And how much better does the game have to look for this to be considered an actual success? Because this isn't a cost-free decision by MLB. They've turned their season into this. We've got the spin rate doctors, you know, looking at it throughout the entire, every single start now is, oh, this guy's Mm -hmm. great. Oh my God, the discourse. Um, You know, what has to happen for this to have been a net positive for baseball?
1: That's a good question. And I think it's going to be interpreted differently. Some people are going to say, well, I think it's, you know, rise in homers or this, then they won't focus on the strikeout rate. Uh, but then we, we got the strike zone issue. We still have that as a problem. Um, are you pro robot umpires?
2: For at least eight years at, now. I, I, I forget I, what i wanted for us. but. Leading question for a thousand, time. Alex. Yeah, yeah I just, uh, Look, as I say, if you want to say the robot umps aren't perfect, that's great. But every night I see a major league umpire call a ball a strike that's three inches, four inches off the side of the plate. And they're doing it in big... And vice versa, spots. too,
1: by the way, sometimes.
2: Less, less so, yeah. They do miss in the With strike. the top ends
1: of the strike zone, I right. think.
2: Um, I, I just think you're you're measuring, the ro- you're, you're judging the robots on a scale that you're not judging the humans on. There's a site now, umpire scorecard, that breaks mm-hmm. down umpire performance every day. And it's just, you look at these... The map, the the, the the graphs they show you, and you're seeing pitches way out here off screen. Like I'm rubbing it, I'm rubbing Jeff's head. That's that's getting called a strike. Stop it's not touching just, me. <laughs> uh, we've got to get that out of the game. And I've been a big believer in if you fix the strike zone largely through automation, that would actually have a big effect on on playability. Because right now, you just a pitcher gets up 0-1, and the next five pitches are out of the zone. One gets fouled mm. off, two get called balls. One gets, you know, it's 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 slowed down the game. We, I know a lot of people are happy with pitch framing being a thing, but calling pitches off the plate strikes based on what the catcher has done has slowed down the game as much as anything. I want to take that element out of the game, and that I think would improve offense. It would improve contact rate. It would improve watchability.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I know the argument is like, well, what if catchers figure out how to, uh, you know, trip the, you know, you know. Fig, trip the robot umpire a little bit well don't they do that with real life umpires anyhow with framing, exactly we're right I, back, we're that's, right back where we started yeah it, it's probably worse with them but then it would be with robot umpires. so yeah I, I'm, I'm pro robot umpire when it comes to balls and strikes at the very least uh maybe more my dear friend former roommate mark mccann uh tweets at us uh you know, I knew him, college fraternity brother and all that. And I know he's a subscriber of yours and has interacted with you before he goes, would Joe be interested in interviewing Rob Manfred? Is there any chance Manfred would take the interview? I think we can easily snap call, say no on the second question, but, uh, you know, or, or for me or anybody else, he doesn't take interviews. That's part of the issue. I yeah. Mean, they'll that's, do that his was little. coming up
2: recently. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, yeah, I think it was, who was the Yankees beat writer who was talking about that? I forget her name. Lindsay Adler. Right Thank you. Thank you. Very good on Twitter. But she she made that point pretty apparent. But uh, if you had the chance, would
2: you take it? Would you want to interview him? Oh, sure. I mean, I don't report just as a a matter of course. When I started doing this in 95 and 96 with Prospectus, we couldn't get Mm. access. I mean, it was largely just this kind of carved out this informed outsider position because, well, that's what I could do. Um, I still remember fighting to get access to a winter meetings in the 2000s. So you know, I look at the the writers that have come since. I look at what Yo know, and Eno does. I look at what Trent Rosecrans does. Um, and he's, you know, obviously a reporter to begin with, but the the access, the combination now of analysis and access is phenomenal. Um, it is. and you know, if I was ten years younger, you know, maybe I would have done that. Would I sit for with an interview for Rob Manford? Absolutely. I think it'd be a fascinating conversation. Um, I think I'd probably be more inclined to just do an off the record conversation because doing an interview and putting it in the newsletter or selling it to a magazine. Folks, magazines are these things that used to be made out of paper and glossy, and you would open them. And there
1: Still do one every year.
2: You do <laughs> right. it. I write, I, write, I, write it. For, I write for it. It's true. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't... When I think about talking to Rob Manfred, I want to have the... This is how you fix the game conversation, as opposed to the, let me ask you this and report on it. I just... I, I, I'm i much more interested in what could come of that conversation, as opposed right. to just a feather in my cap. Oh, you know, I, I, I interviewed the, the commissioner. I'd probably... Talking about another interview, I can't get I'd be probably more interested in doing an interview with Bud Seeler than I would with Rob Manford. But oh. you talk, I, I, oh boy, <laughs> I'd be shot on sight. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. Uh, I, you know, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. By the way, Derek Cole just went eight innings tonight. Uh, he's leaving with the three two lead. Well, he just, his finished career the isn't over. No, it What's isn't. Career Believe over? Or not, I know. I know. It's crazy. Crazy. Huge for outing me. for him. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Good question, Mark. Yeah, and I yes, I would too. Uh, he asked if I would. Yes, of course I would. Um, I'll, I'll say this: interaction. Twitter is. I think I like Twitter. Um, uh, the interaction with writers and you know it, fans, and you know I, I'm somewhere. I don't know where I fit on that spectrum, but the access to writers that are ha- do have access and the interaction with some of it, them, it's been fantastic. There, there's a lot of good interaction. A lot of smart writers out there that, you know, we always like to say the media doesn't do their job. Well, baseball, Twitter, you know, baseball media on Twitter is actually pretty good.
2: I think, I think the fantasy community on Twitter is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Kind of on the outside of that to some extent. But um, when you think about not just the the talk and the baseball stuff that goes around, but also, you know, the, the things that some of them do, think about uh, Justin Mason, think about Scott fish. I mean, these guys are all out there doing good thing, good in the world. That's right. Um, certainly more than I am. So, um, I think fantasy Twitter and baseball Twitter are two separate things, but you mentioned, you know, the access to writers that surely you and I growing up never would have had. You know, I, right. yeah, I can, I mean, I can email Peter Gammons, but like, you know, I can say something on Twitter and Peter Gammons will comment on it. And look, I just turned 50 and Peter Gammons reading anything I write is still a thrill. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. Same, and, here. The, the, Same here. Same you know, here. This guy's like a you know, Stark and Rosenthal who are just, you know, really good guys doing their job and Jeff passon Um, yeah, that Adler chick, she's no, I'm kidding, Lindsay Adler's phenomenal, but uh, yes, and the she beast is. as well. The information you get from beat writers is incredible. You mentioned um, the, the Arizona guys, we've mentioned C. Trent Rosecrans on this, and it's just um, I feel like we mentioned a lot of athletic guys because that's what the athletic does, guys and uh, men and women, I should say. Um, but it, the access to that is something that's certainly changed over the 30 years we've been doing this
1: for sure. Uh, and way for the better uh so all right i promised this at the beginning of the podcast need your golf picks your golf <laughs> bets here okay what what do you got going for the u.s open
2: you know i uh went with in our i, I guess i can say this on our one and done i went with john rom i was basically saving him for this event so uh you know, i didn't get burned having him a couple of weeks ago when he was forced to withdraw um i'm going to be doing a lot of this research tonight uh so unfortunately i don't have great answers for you this is actually Typically, I do my golf stuff whether it's our league or picks or whatever um, overnight on Wednesday, um, and I can actually even wait till the morning because the, the West Coast uh, event. That's right. You know, I if I had to pick some, you know, I, I want to say, you know, Thomas Detry last winter after the pandemic had a really nice run in Europe, and he's the kind of guy I think could go into Tory and 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 uh, have, have some good uh, have some good rounds. Talking about guys that are like way off the radar. I mean, yeah. the standard for that's pretty high. Stuart sinks won two tournaments this year, so you got to come right. pretty far off the radar atop top that. I will say this: I will fade every share of Phil you have. There's a lot of people. I want to say I saw earlier today that one of the sports books has their largest liability on Phil Nicholson. and I sure. give me he, give me Phil to miss the cut. He
1: he's very public. I mean, he right. is he is the face of the public basically. He is like, uh, you know, when Mayweather fought uh, what's his name, the the MMA guy, uh, Colin McGregor. And oh, all yeah. this was, all all this money was, all, all these bets were on McGregor, but these huge bets were being placed on Mayweather, you know, and just because they knew this was like, this is.
2: Right. Because the Sharps were getting free money at whatever it was, you know, one to 12 or whatever they, ended up right. getting because you know the, the average guy doesn't want to go in and bet, you know, 10, uh, $120 to win 10, but the Sharps okay. will take it because it's free money. And it was in that case. And it's not a whole lot of free money out there. Fading, yeah, me, at, well, fading me at Rotowire. It's been free money.
1: There you go. Uh, but is it reliable fade? That's the
2: question. No, let's but, hope let's uh, hope not. Let's hope
1: let's hope so. not too. All right. This has been a lot of fun. I want to thank uh Joe for coming on. Really appreciate you. Um, and this will be on our on the podcast uh for everybody starting on Thursday morning. It should be hitting like all your favorite places to hit that. But uh hey, thanks for spending an hour with me. It was a lot Great. of fun.
2: Thanks for having me, man. Take care. All
1: right, thanks everybody, and thanks to Winbet for sponsoring us. Uh, we will be on, on Friday with the two star stars with Clay and Todd. And I'll be back again with Scott on, on Monday morning. Take care. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat.